Here we go. Folks, this is your host Cameron Ivy of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Gabe, say something really funny to make us all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. Okay. Ah, um, okay. Let me see if I can get a laugh out of both of you. Let's see. Um, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We can do this. Let me think of a joke. It's hard being a comedian, huh? It is. It really is. Well, I use I wore these headphones last night for a for another meeting, and the first response I got was, "Are you landing a plane on a carrier?" Oh no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is that'll do <laughs> thank you <laughs> you should bring up some flashlights yeah. <laughs> just have it ready now yeah all right i'll let come in so wing walking was my fallback career Ooh, wing walking is that is that a title is that what is that real that's what that guy does that's what that's what is that's that. what that's what it's called wing wing walking oh it's all right wing walker yes that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something from star wars yes not to be confused um, with the, the people who used to actually walk on wings of planes those guys are out of the goddamn mind. i yeah. thought that's what you were talking about first like uh yeah, barnstorming uh Barn, yeah yeah no there's there's some crossover there <laughs> <laughs> trying to think yeah that's okay we can just go ahead and jump into it Unless there's anything interesting you want to talk about about your week, yeah, nah, career. Yeah, that's all right. Your career, yeah. <laughs> Ryan's hockey career. Oh, his hockey career. That's right. I share that name, and uh, every once in a while, like at a hotel, people will say, you know, the the bellman. Oh, I saw your name. But I don't think you're hit. You're you're not the Ryan Smith from uh, Edmonton, or you don't seem to be six three, two hundred thirty pounds with a long, gorgeous mane. Which yeah. Ryan Smith are you? That's right. I don't have that hair to hang out the back of the hockey helmet uh, <laughs> at all. Let's talk about that for a second. What is up with the new um, the new old? The mullets are coming back for, especially like for guys in sports. Have you seen those? The modern mullet they went away though. What, what, what oh, they're it? back. Um, I, you know, I coached uh, my son in little league and then my, my other two sons are also in, in other youth sports and we call it COVID hair because once things started back up, you know, in California, that would have been around like June, July, they let the kids go out and start doing their soccer and things. And nobody had a haircut because you couldn't get a haircut in uh, California. And then it became cool. So a lot of them have just been letting it go. Um, and it is, if you have any kind of curly hair, it gets big quick. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been seeing it. Quite see this background, but if I uncurl this, we're at a solid five and a half inches at the moment. 
Oh yeah, because I've I've seen you kind of. Oh yeah, it'll curl it it'll out get, a little bit sometimes. It'll get it'll get big if I let it. It is very much COVID here. I I just decided, you know, after months of not being able to visit the barber, I'm like, well, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I think it's also that easy, like you could probably cut your own hair because you can see the sides. So you just cut the sides right there <laughs> and then leave everything back and then you have your mullet. It's pretty easy. There it is. But I'm not attempting the, that. What does the mullet intersect with the burst thing though? Because I feel like the thing that we're seeing coming back, is it quite a mullet? But I don't think the mullet went anywhere. I think, I think the mullet's been with I didn't, But it's back. It's like, especially because um, are you talking about, so if a fade comes back behind down then that's like a almost like a mohawk or a faux hawk but if it yeah, if, I, if you I, get like a cut I'm to your a barber, ear but i believe it i believe it has a different name but i'm not a barber but it's like a probably fade, which is different than like yeah a fade. yeah I, don't, I spend far too much time <laughs> not using my powers for good and obviously that that corner of my brain could otherwise be you know like solving for COVID, but it's busy with that information inside of its head. So <laughs> I have that problem too with yeah. other things that aren't important. Yeah. But that's something I have to we'll work defend with my wife. We'll work it. Yeah. All right. So oh Ryan, go ahead. I was gonna say I did have a COVID beard for the first uh I let it grow probably for about two months of, of zoom calls with, with coworkers and all. And then it just got out of hand and I had to go back to shaving, but that was, that was very popular um, with all my peers. The COVID beard is, is in full effect with a lot of my colleagues. Yeah. I tried the mustache in the beginning uh, last, last year. And like, I think it was like when it started in March, May, it was like May or June. I gave it a shot for a couple months and then, yeah, I just had to get rid of it. Yeah. But it's it's fun to kind of do that stuff. You get bored at home. You're not going out anywhere, so you're wearing a mask to cover it. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. And then you're you're where are you based out of again in California? I'm in San Diego. Oh, my brother's in San Diego. That's awesome. He uh he runs a uh like a ski ski boat for wakeboarding oh. and skiing and cool. stuff. Yeah. Cool. He's a he's a surfer dude. He's got long curly hair. <laughs> there you go. Fits right in Southern California. Yeah, yeah sure. he definitely he definitely does. He's at home. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy Please. I'm your host, Cameron Ivy, and with me, as always, my friend, co-host, Mr. Gabe Gums. Gabe, how you doing today? I'm all right. I'm all right. We usually record on, on Fridays, but today, today is hump day. Today is hump day. Sometimes almost better than Friday because it's, well, maybe I'm lying. Okay. Just call it Friday Eve Eve. And Eve we'll, Eve, uh, yeah. We'll push it there. That's fair. Well, we have a, a great guest on. Uh, his name is Ryan Smith. He's the managing director at FTI Consulting. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I, I've been a fan and, and been listening, so it's 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 a big moment to be to be on with the two of you. Um, thanks so much. Man, I feel famous. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. We're really happy to have you on and uh, excited to to learn your story and and your background. So, why don't we just start there? We'll just start off simple. Give us give us your background from day one when you were born and why <laughs> why you. Uh, why you are where you are in, in security. 
Sure, sure. So I think one of the most interesting things about me being born is I was born into a New York Jets family, which means it's a lifetime of uh, misery. So yeah, originally <laughs> from New York um, and spent, you know, gosh, probably about 25, first 25 years, went to college in uh, Connecticut, grew up in Connecticut, um, had a couple jobs there and then made my way out to the West Coast um, in San Diego, California um, here. And, uh, I've got settled down with, uh, my wife and we have three, three sons who are, um, nine, 11 and 13. So just about 14, just about to start high school, the oldest one next year. So they keep me busy. Um, now life before COVID as a, uh, consultant was on the road, probably about 60, 70% of the time. So the last year I've had a lot more, a lot more family time um, with them, which obviously that's one of the, one of the nice things that comes out of it. Um, although still miss my time on the road and, and getting together with, with coworkers and all. Um, so yeah, I'm a, a, with FTI consulting, a managing director, and I'm in our, um, we call it IGPNS information governance, privacy, and security. So relatively um, self-explanatory, but we uh, are within the technology segment at FTI and we focus um, on helping clients with data-driven challenges. And some of that can be information lifecycle, cybersecurity, and and where I typically play would be more in the data privacy side. So whether that is something proactive um, like uh, getting ready for a new regulation that's coming out or reactive, dealing with something post-data breach. Um, we also do a, a decent amount of audits, both in the privacy and security space. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I've been, been doing the consulting thing for about 10 years now. And before that, I was, I was in-house as chief security and privacy officer. So I've kind of seen it from the inside and then, you know, taking some of that experience and, and help people, um, you know, in, with the consulting hat on. On this show, we like to we like to make it personal and get personal. So my first question for you is going to be: your, your name, your name's Ryan Smith. We've already established that you share your name with a hockey player, and you're a consultant who travels a lot. You ever have your personal, your personal, your privacy invaded while on the road? While on the road, well, I I think Ryan Smith, the hockey player, I know that he is massively uh, popular and and Hall of Famer. I'm not. I don't know that much about hockey, so I I couldn't, I wouldn't know him if he walked in, but I've definitely got that look when I've checked in and someone has said to me, Oh, you're not that Ryan Smith, are you? (laughs) Because, um, you know, I'm not built at all like a professional hockey player. uh, And I have no hair when they usually have free flowing hair. Uh, (laughs) And missing teeth. Yeah, that's right. I have all my teeth. I can, I can take. Uh, be happy about that. So yeah, there, there's definitely been some times where people have either asked me if I'm him or they've kind of looked at me funny and I'm like, what are they thinking about? Um, and they are kind of doing the math and, and eliminating that I'm actually I'm actually this uh, Hall of Fame hockey. You got to do the following just for me. Then we're going to have you back on the show. The next time you're on the road, I need you to, when you're, when you're checking in, tell them you want to check in under an alias. Like, so they know your real name, but they're like, yeah, no, no, no. I actually, I want to, I want to check in as Cameron Gums, and then like 
see see if anyone then attempts to completely evade privacy. There we go. I like that. Side note, real quick, uh, Gabe, can you adjust your mic because you sound a little muffled? Mm. I thought I, th- I might not be using the right mic. Hold on. Yeah, switch them. Speak. Yep, using the wrong. Like that before we went live. There you go. That's better. There it is. Okay. Did, was there a two part to that question? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it was just one question, really. I just, I just wanted, I just wanted Ryan to make this personal right out of the gate and, and yep. tell us how others just assume that they know him and, as such, will take liberties with his privacy. Yeah, I mean that's a good point because how often does that happen, Ryan? More than once, right? Oh sure, yeah. The 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 name stands out, um, and people make assumptions uh, based on that. Yeah, the the only thing that would stand out to me is Ryan Smith is a pretty common name, I would think. Not the, the way thing Ryan no. Smith is spelled. So that's yeah, what I was going to say. Smith, yeah, but the other Ryan Smith also spells it the exact same way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You you would get the impression from this conversation that I know a lot about hockey. You would be severely wrong. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. Have you ever gotten Ryan Smythe? Very regularly. I mean, so much that my go-to, if I'm telling someone my name or checking it, you know, checking at the hotel to use our example, is it's Ryan Smith, S-M-Y-T-H. And not to be rude about it at all, but their brain immediately goes to SMITH, which is logical. And mm-hmm. they're not going to find that reservation um, when, they're, when they're checking me in. So just kind of get out in front of it. Yeah. So FTI, why don't we talk a little bit about that? What, what does FTI do? What, how do they help uh, with prospects or companies? Yeah. FTI is um, <clears throat> a rather large consultancy. So there's about 5,000 employees worldwide um, there are a variety of different segments. So they um, do a lot with, you know, I'll get to technology in my, in my area last, but they do some interesting things. So we um, do like expert witness and testimony. Uh, there's a whole segment dedicated to corporate finance. There is a um, uh, segment dedicated to health solutions and then a strategic communication. So uh, the strategic communication um, does a lot of PR and helps when there's some sort of large scale kind of corporate issue or merger that is happening. And there's just a need for that outside help to, to you know, help with the messaging and, and put together a communication plan. Now we get to technology where, where I play. So technology segment um, I'd say our, our bread and butter in technology is our e-discovery solutions. So we run um, on all the kind of the major platforms and often get pulled in for um, e-discovery work. My area is um, IGPNS, Information Governance, uh, Privacy and Security. So I'd call us more of the um, traditional consultants in terms of advisory work and helping clients <clears throat> with some sort of data challenge. And that might be a new product, uh, a new use of data, uh, dealing with the terabytes and, and bulk of leftover data over time and, and helping with the data lifecycle and how you um, ultimately purge and destroy data when it's no longer needed. Um, 
in my team, we focus on doing things like um, security and privacy audits, helping folks get ready for changes in regulation. So things like the CCPA and GDPR, you know, those were, of course, good for business because they are change. And we help, you know, navigate that change and help uh, clients put in whatever they need in terms of procedures, policies, and, and in some cases, technology um, to kind of get out in front of whatever that change is. Right. And you mentioned <clears throat> you, you're in the security and privacy space, but more so the privacy, which explains that in that aspect of it with uh, regulations and stuff. So uh, are you seeing a rise with CCPA, um, CPRA, and some of the New York Shield Acts, stuff like that? Is that affected with you guys over in the East Coast? Uh, it's well, yeah, I mean, we're global and my practice area is, is really focused on North America. So as we're seeing these different state regs pop up, um, you know, CCPA came first, Virginia just, uh, came online, you know, really within the last month or two, I believe, but they are starting to take that GDPR approach of where privacy is like a natural born right. And not just something that, that a business may give you. Um, and passing those uh, that kind of rights management onto the individual. So I was just reading something within the last couple of days. I think there, there's like almost 30 other states that have some something in the works. So we definitely see this being kind of the wave of change in the U.S. Uh, personally, I think it's probably going to be f- 30 or 40 states that come out with something before we ever get any change on the federal side. I just think that's probably a discussion for a whole nother day, but that there's not going to be a federal privacy law anytime soon. There's, there's just too many, Um, too many uh, complications. Let me ask you a question. Considering what you do, you, you find yourself all over North America in and out of a lot of different organizations of all sizes in all of these different States. Do you think we would benefit from a federal law? I think we absolutely would benefit from a federal law. I'm, I'm just a realist and know that there are so many competing interests um, that it's it's going to be very difficult to do. I mean, the, the one thing that kind of goes against having a federal law is that there already are several of them and they're industry specific. So how would you kind of navigate it when you already have HIPAA and GLBA and some of these kind of overarching federal laws to get kind of a one size fits all. And what you see in the state laws is they do have carve outs for things like HIPAA and GLBA data because they didn't want to do anything that would conflict with the federal regulation and have to deal with with the fallout there. Folks call you up and they're asking for advice and they're trying to navigate all of these laws. What's some of the common questions they have? What's some of the common kind of blind spots that they're hitting? Well, one thing that was a wake up to a lot of folks is how much a lot of companies is how much personal data they have and how spread out it is across the organization. And this kind of came up with CCPA because CCPA said you can go to a company and ask them to provide you with uh, a listing of all the personal information they have on you. So when firms started to either prepare for that or actually action requests that came in, they they were kind of looked at it like, oh gosh, why do we have all this? Why do we still have data that we, we clearly don't have a business need for anymore? 
And it's kind of launched into two different corporate initiatives that, that we're helping more folks with. The first is just data mapping. So it's taking a, and privacy data mapping would be a little bit different than just like scanning your systems to find out where personal data is. You, with, from, with the privacy lens on, you really need to understand under, you know, why was that data initially collected and what's it being used for now? And, and if you have, you need that context to know what you can and cannot do with it and what you have to return if you get one of these access requests. So that's data mapping. And then the other end of the equation is um, I seeing a much, much more of a shift towards no longer wanting to just save everything because it may be part of a legal hold at some point and really being a little bit more proactive with, okay, we have this information. Are we sure that we need it? Is there some sort of law or regulation or record keeping requirement where we have to keep it? If not, we need to purge it because it's either going to be someday part of a data breach or it's something we have to disclose to the client. And by the way, it all costs money. The, the more you store, the, the, the more you're going to incur just from an overhead perspective. Mm-hmm. So if folks are starting to tackle that and, and they find when they get in there, that's not really an easy thing. Cause when it comes time to push that button and actually purge, you start to hear from your general counsel office and you hear from the, that one person in marketing that they want, the big data pool to pull all sorts of queries from. And it's just not always, um, everybody's not always ready to just sign off on that nuking um, of the, of the no longer needed data. Mm-hmm. To piggyback off of uh, <clears throat> Gabe's question, what's the biggest challenge you see from your prospects or your, your customers when it comes to implementing like a privacy plan or strategy? Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple things. I think first, if they don't have it, they're probably going to fail. And that's some sort of tone at the top or support from from the executive level. Now, I've been in this space for coming up on 20 years now. So I remember when both security and privacy, they were thought of as just kind of like, uh, I don't know, drags to the business or compliance requirements, and you really couldn't get attention. That mm-hmm. has shifted. So it, this is now, it's regularly something that gets reported at the board level, whether it's from a data breach perspective or just from a compliance perspective. So um, you certainly need to get uh, that executive level buy-in. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, I already threw out CCPA in Virginia, uh, Data Privacy, uh, Data Protection Act, and in those cases, what, where you can go wrong is you can try to build a privacy program around one regulation. And where we typically will come in and kind of rescue people is say, look, all right, I understand that you have this part of the business that needs GDPR or you're doing this, this portion of the business in Brazil and you know there, there's their own set of requirements there. But let's take a step back. Let's pick a privacy framework. And most of these are, you know, uh, there's... FIPS and GAP and NIST, these things mm-hmm. are readily available. And where we start to see success is, okay, I've got my buy-in. I now pick a framework or kind of build out my own framework out of some of these more popular ones that you can you know, find easily and build a privacy program around that framework. And then when it you're doing business in California, you can apply California regulation. If you're in the financial services space, you can use GLBA um, there. 
But if um, I've heard people many times say, you know what, we want to redo our our business model here, our, our privacy operating model here in the U.S., let's just do GDPR. That's the gold standard. And that's not the answer because it's a whole different set of requirements that may not be necessary. And you will probably scare away all of your business lines when they start to be told to implement things like DPIAs. And those are, you know, very much something that's only required um, in Europe. That's a good answer. So, when it comes to security and privacy, what, what makes it personal for you in general? Like what makes you passionate about what you do? Have you ever had an experience with uh, some kind of privacy theft or anything in your life that you've experienced that kind of relates to that? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, if you go back and I didn't really expand on this at the top, but how did I get into this space? Um, I was really in, compliance and risk management, you know, and uh, where I was working, this is in the, you know, mid 2000s, there was online trading and there was money movement that was occurring. And honestly, we just became under attack. So people's passwords were getting compromised and there was this um, type of fraud that was a little more prevalent then. Most of the uh, online trading has kind of stopped it, but it was called hack, pump and dump. So they would steal somebody's password and go into their, you know, uh, investment account and buy up a bunch of penny stocks. So they would drive these penny stocks up 400% in a day, you know, and this was coordinated. So it might be happening in 50 or 60 different brokerage accounts across broker dealers. Mm -hmm. And then at some point during the day, they would have already held this stock in their own personal accounts. They dump it and sell it for a profit and cash out. So that was something that was happening to us on a semi-regular basis. And um, we had to figure it out. I mean, some of that was working with law enforcement and FBI and such, but it became apparent right away that, okay, this is more than risk management. We need to build out these capabilities. And just, you know, because of the timing and the role that I was in, I raised my hand and said, hey, this I'm interested in this. I want to help uh, build this out. So that really got me into the into the cybersecurity um, side of it. I think it it's personal for all of us because I haven't met anyone that hasn't received some sort of letter in the mail that they were part of a data breach. And you look at it and think, oh, we get these things all the time, but you know, what did insert company name, whomever, what didn't they do? You know, why did this happen to me? Um, do I need this identity monitoring service? Everyone has it. I mean, it's, it's one of the few topics that, um, you know, I can talk to my parents who are in their seventies and they've received these same, same letters too. Um, it, it just seems to touch, uh, to touch all of us. Um, I know this is going to sound like the, the privacy geek in me, but when CCPA came out and they said, hey, Californians, if you want access to your data, go to the company, request it. They then have to give you everything back. This was, I guess, a little over a year ago. So January 2020, I probably, and I'm in California, I probably submitted 50 or 60 data subject access requests <laughs> that first month because one, this is the field that I'm in and I want to see how everybody's doing it because I give advice on that. Mm-hmm. But two, this is me. And seeing that they certain companies 
had me grouped into, hey, he likes these types of hobbies and this is where he's most likely to shop and things. I mean, it's personal to say the least. You, Did you? Oh, have you attempted to file such a request for any other member of your family? I, I haven't yet. No, that's a good question. Um, I would imagine, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, my, my oldest is like 13 now and we'll sometimes get robocalls with his name. You know, the, they'll call our cell phone or he'll get it on. Uh, he's got a, a cell phone. He'll get a call. So yeah, I mean, by the, at that point with all the, you know, online things that they've signed up for their identities out there as well. Um, and then I, you know, my wife would probably be in the same boat as me. I'm sure, sure there's plenty out there on her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I asked largely because you mentioned, you know, you do that, uh, you, you, you put those requests in, in part to see how they're, they're handled. And uh, I haven't tried in some time, uh, in fact, well over a year at this point, but it feels like everything's been over a year. Thanks, plague. Oh, snap. I, I'm genuinely interested to see w- whether or not uh, organizations have gotten <clears throat> better from other people's perspective at being able to facilitate the handling of those without, say, you know, inadvertently giving information to people that they shouldn't. Because although you know, your wife's your wife, you don't have the legal right to request that information on her behalf, unless of course, yeah. you know, she signed that over to you. So, and, uh, and that's not a thing I see anyone checking. It's like, prove to me that you are who you say you are. It's like, sure. Here's my date of birth. Yeah, that was a real challenge. So we helped uh, several clients with implementation and I, right away it became apparent you don't want to over-disclose here because then all of a sudden you walked yourself into a data breach or people can farm this information and use it to, you know, to guess challenge questions and whatnot. So um, the at least the CCPA, it's written in such a way that you really can minimize what you give back Um but it, it all comes down to authentication. So if it's a customer request, most clients, um, most companies are trying to steer that to whatever platform they have that already has username, password, maybe a, a out-of-band password, those types of stronger authentications for that exact reason. I mean, this would be a great way to just fish for information about people, um, you know, and pretending like it's a privacy request. You know, it's funny. I this just reminded me of a <clears throat> something that personally happened to me when I was uh, in my early twenties. I, I got a letter that someone had opened a Verizon account with two iPads, two phones under my social security number, and I had blocked it out for a while. But that kind of came back to me, and I, I mean, that kind of thing happens all the time. Yeah, but back then. I, I wasn't in this industry and I didn't, I didn't think anything of it besides just <clears throat> reporting it, confirming it that that's not, a, that's not me. So hopefully it was taken care of, but um, yeah, that's where it gets real personal to me. Now that is, I, I look back at that. I'm just like, man, if that happened today, I would take it so much differently. Well, it's happening today. It's happening a lot yeah. today. In fact, with the latest stimulus package passed, there were some new statistics put out on just how much of that money has been 
defrauded from people stealing identities and claiming said stimuluses. There are forums where it's being discussed and they're trading information on, you know, which states have the easiest unemployment uh, laws to get around and don't do great checks on, on PII when you submit it and things of that nature. Billions with a B dollars being siphoned right out of our recovery package because people's privacies are being violated at a state and local level, which is also why I asked earlier, you know, should we have a federal um, law in place where we're actively siphoning money out of our own coffers to the tune of billions? Uh, and because of the lack of PII protections, that's just evaporating into thin air. Um, yeah. I feel like maybe it is time to do something, but I'm not, I'm not one for jumping to regulation. Yeah, I'd say one of the downsides, and I'm probably coming across like anti-federal regulation. I mean, at some point it's got to happen, but I'm just worried it would take so many rounds of negotiations that it would be uh, so light on requirements just to kind of make everybody happy. And then it would trump a lot of the states that have things that are a little bit more strong in place. You know, if if those were uh, preempted by this, say, then all of a sudden we're left worse off than we were before. Um, so I, I, I probably sounds a little negative, but it's, that's kind of sometimes how I think of the, these things. Yeah. So let's go back to the regulation. I know you had brought up a new one, um, the Virginia VCDPA. Yes. Let's touch on that a little bit. Yeah, they had to pick a new set of letters, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> and we already, in this industry, um, these these abbreviations are already such a popular thing. I know. So this isn't helping. <laughs> so it could have been CCPA, it could have been the Virginia CPA or the VCPA, but it, but it became the VCDPA. So Virginia <laughs> Consumer what, Data Protection Act. I'll tell you what I'm impressed by is that legislators always seem to be fond of backronyms and I'm just shocked. There are no backronyms yet for this one, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> why is there no backronym for this? It's true. Um, but it is very similar to CCPA. I mean, these things come, they really, most of them tie back a little bit to GDPR. So and Virginia does, I'd, I'd say even more than CCPA, but it's got uh, your, your consumer rights. So I can go now if I'm a Virginia resident, I can, well, I should, I say now this thing doesn't actually come effect till 2023, but uh, when it's a, in effect, I can request access to my data. Uh, I can request, if I see something that's incorrect, I have the right to, to tell the, the firm to correct it. If I want it deleted, I can request that it's uh, my data be deleted. There's this concept from GDPR called data portability. So I have to be able to get my data in such a way that it's portable and I can take it to a to another company, say. Um, there's a little bit more, and this, if you followed, there was CCPA and then most recently we had CPRA in California, which is kind of the CCPA 2.0. Um, this uh, Virginia will allow opting out of targeted advertising. So that's something that people will actually, I think, notice because it's just so, so prevalent. Um, and it takes a couple other concepts from GDPR that that go a little bit more than CCPA. So there's a concept called a processor and a controller and certain language that you have to have in your, in your contracts if you're going to outsource 
you know, processing of personal information. So that will come online with Virginia. And then they have their own, um, I mean, I want to call it a P- privacy impact assessment or PIA um, in Virginia. Well, in GDPR, that would be a DPIA. And in Virginia, that's now going to be a, a DPA, a data protection assessment. So again, same thing. It's assessing the activity and what type of information are you processing? Why are you doing it? And is that any kind of elevated risk to the individual? But we'll call it by three different things in three different states. Awesome. Um, I mean, it's good to see that this is happening, but you can see it's not even going to be active until 2023. It's not too early to start preparing for it now, though, because that's going to come quick and there's going to be more and more to be added. I'm sure there's going to be more stuff added to that one as well before it opens up, you think? I'd say... I don't know how much Virginia itself will change because they, they did seem to cover most of the, the hot uh, button items, but they'll, I mean, I wouldn't want anyone to be thinking, Oh, I got to just do this in Virginia and California. Cause there's literally 25, 26 that are in some portion of the state legislation process across, you know, different States in the U S. So by 2023, some of those will be uh, online as well. So I think the message of what kind of, what can you do now is, Get ready with like the data mapping and really understand what are your what business processes collect, what types of data, what do they use it for, who do they share it with, um, how long do they retain it, and if you can have all that in a uh, some sort of registered or database, then you're going to be able to respond to these types of requests, and you'll be much better suited when these uh, things do come online because you'll you'll have that context instead of waiting for a request and then just doing a bunch of searches and trying to figure things out at that time. So the proactive move would be data mapping for sure. I was just about to say proactive, not reactive people. Yeah. Very good. Um, So this is a fun question. I don't know if we ask it too much, Gabe, but Hey, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this could be an interesting perspective from your end though, because you're a consultant and you're helping out. Um, people in companies coming up with privacy plans and stuff like that. So let's say you're going into a company to help them. And this guy's like, I only have a hundred dollar budget. What do you tell him? What's the first place he should start? hundred dollars. You've asked this question to a consultant before. Consultants don't get out of bed for, uh, <laughs> they don't get their teeth for a hundred bucks. It's, uh... <laughs> Hopefully he's already engaged me in FTI. So we're, we're going to assume that we're past that. Yeah. It's we may have trouble with the hundred dollars. Um, gosh. So hundred dollars. Well, uh, maybe I'll take a different approach. So I would say, get your team together, uh, buy a round of drinks, hundred dollars worth of drinks, and then um, go and download a, a privacy framework off the off the internet. So that could be the NIST framework, uh, or GAP, or FIPS. And honestly, the, a couple of those you have to pay for. I think ISO you'd have to actually buy, but but most of these are just things that are out there. And you know, get buy-in that that that's how we're going to do privacy. So we're going to model it off of a framework and um, build something that's kind of flexible enough to take on the next Virginia act or whatever, you know, the next one down the pike is New York, say New Jersey. Um, But don't be so focused on 
um, which regulations you know you're under now, and think of it more holistically as with one of these privacy frameworks. I admittedly have not spent any time looking at the other privacy frameworks with uh, what one might call attentive eyes. Um, have you compared them to the NIST privacy framework? Because that's the one that I've been all over for a while. Have you compared them at all? Just looked at them e- even in passing? I have, yeah. I mean, we we handle these, use these all the time. I'd say the NIST is by far the most comprehensive. It's the most prescriptive. Um, but a lot of clients are a little bit scared off by that because they don't think they have enough flexibility to kind of tailor and do things um, as they as they want. The one that I like to start with, if somebody was just coming in and, and wanted to learn about privacy and privacy frameworks, is GAP. Um, and that's because it, it's so high level. So you have management of your program. What do you do for a privacy notice? Do you offer choice and consent? Um, do you secure data? So those kind of high level concepts that if you're doing some part of that, you, you can then map a lot of the NIST control activities to that and get some something that's more prescriptive. But it's a much, I think, a much easier uh, starting place than going full speed into NIST if you, if you were kind of starting from from scratch. Tell us more about this framework, if you would. I don't think we've discussed it on the show at all. This is this is an interesting topic. Let's dive in. Uh, so in terms of gap, um, yes. yeah, so it's got six or seven different, um, kind of pillars. And then what is useful is it has like a self-assessment, um, uh, component to it where you can go in and look at under each of those domains, if you will, you can, there's certain thing activities that you're either doing or you're not. And if you're doing them, um, you can rank yourself, you know, on a one to five. So five would be like the best in class. It's a, it's a fully automated control that is, you know, operating effectively. And one is, you know what, maybe it's, it's a paper policy, but we don't have a way to actually check um, that it's working. But these kind of tools um, are, are really helpful. I mean, there's, there's very similar things on the security side as well, where you can give yourself a maturity assessment and then you can identify uh, what controls maybe are missing or are not performing in such a way that they are, you know, automated or auditable and, you know, look to take your organization from a level one to a level two or, or three, whatever, you know, wherever you so desire. Any helpful links we could throw in a show notes where someone can go check out this framework? Yeah, I'll, um, I can provide those. I, I certainly don't have them top top of mind now, but sure, these sure. are definitely things that we can put in the show notes. Yeah, love to make sure we share that with our guests. That's awesome. Yeah. Good idea. A couple quick questions before our, our, our last segment. Where, where do you see, I guess we've kind of already touched on this, but I'm curious of your thoughts in the next couple of years where you see privacy and security actually going, do you, do you feel like companies are gonna, are gonna actually take it more seriously? I mean, obviously we, we've talked about, I think it has to be the culture. It has to be the top of, of the company that actually buys into a privacy program and and the importance of it. Do you see that growing stronger over the years because of just everything that continues to happen with work from home, the way that the pandemic has changed the, the way we work and how security controls are a little less 
um, secure in a way. Um, but how do you, how do you see that going in the next couple of years? Yeah, I, um, I think it's going to continue to evolve. And the, and the reason is whatever good control or, um, solution we come up with, there's enough money to be made by the bad actors that something kind of circumvents that. So I always would use my analogy of whack-a-mole. <laughs> so when I was a CISO, it really felt like that. It was, wait, this little problem came up. We're going to whack that mole down. And then the, the next mole is popping up uh, if you if you ever played that one. <laughs> um, but, you know, at that time, I remember we were trying to get things like multi-factor authentication. So, you know, the RSA token, that was the, the constantly changing password. And people looked at us in security, like you guys are crazy. There's just no way are people going to carry around these tokens? No way are they going to use them? Well, it's only been about, it was only about eight, 10 years later. And one-time password going to your phone now, I mean, is very, very common. And it's used for all different applications. We're not talking about just like, state secret types type things. It's um, <laughs> very common. So I guess that's my way of thinking that we've already evolved quite a bit. Um, there's probably more that can be done on the biometric side with authentication. Maybe we'll see more of that in the future, but it we no longer have to explain why um, privacy and security add to shareholder value and they help with your brand. And those used to be things that we had to kind of get people to buy in and and, right. and and believe what we were were saying. Whereas now, no, they know that. They've seen what happens when there's a data breach and that's on the front page and you're dealing with complaints and regulatory inquiries and such. So I feel like we've we've made a ton of progress. Um, but yeah, it it's gonna continue to evolve. Yeah, because you're not you're not only hurting your company's name when that happens, you're you're hurting all the privacy of your customers, your employees your community, your, their data. Yeah. And, it's, I mean, and, and it hits different now. People care about that now. Not just yes. the people that are in that industry, but the people, just people, which is great. And I think that's that's one of the biggest things that's going to change is that more and more people that aren't in the industry of security and privacy are going to, they're getting more knowledgeable about it and they care more about it. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but it's fun. I love being in it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there is there anything that you want to bring up before we move on to our last section? Is there anything in privacy that some most people that you work with you don't see them doing that's pretty basic or pretty simple to to, to fix their privacy, whether it be personal or um, for a company? Yeah, that's a good good question. Um, I guess. What we've become, uh, all of us, and I, I am partially guilty of this, although I'll, I'll read more uh, on these types of things, is we click through everything. So there's all sorts of banners. And so I guess what I would say is take the time every now and then understand what is that? Act, what are you consenting to there just to get into a website to read an article or um, there's and what I think is going to happen is at some point there's going to be too many complaints uh, about, well, yeah, you disclosed it. Yeah. They click through it, but a reasonable person would have no idea what they were clicking through and that's not really going to fly. But as things stand today, all right, cookie banner, click accept. Uh, that's what's, that's the standard. And I just think that most people would have no idea what they're actually um, 
agreeing to in, in a lot of these click-through agreements. I have noticed them more and more now. As you mentioned that. Literally never went on. You know what? It's not because I'm lazy. It's because I'm uninterested. It's because if you are shoving such a big legalese click-through agreement in front of me, you're not approaching this digital relationship on even footing, right? You're, you're just not. You had a lawyer write that. I am not a lawyer. Right off the bat, this relationship is already lopsided. If I can get around your click-through, I will. That's a good point. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> That's a hot one. Turnkey. Sound the alarms. Yeah. Awesome. Let's let's learn some dark, deep secrets. <laughs> Find out more about Ryan here. And clearly, you're not the professional hockey player, so we've established that. Um, we'll start off easy. What what was your favorite snack this past year during the pandemic since you've been home with the family more than the traveling? Oh gosh, snack during pandemic. There's definitely been a lot of snacks. There was uh, <laughs> I put on the COVID-15 quick and then had to fight fight to get it off. Um Oh gosh. Give me a second here cuz I I forgot about this one. Oh, you're good. Um Yeah, I, I don't know that I have a good answer. I, I think I'm just stumped on this oh no worries maybe we'll come back to it yeah. what's your favorite food favorite food has got to be pizza that's uh always been a staple since i was young and it's a good, well, good family meal and i'm a new yorker yeah thin thin crust for sure you know it's funny i there's a place i'm in tampa there's a place that just opened up um they are new jersey style pizza. I did not know that there was a New Jersey style. There's a good reason you didn't know there was a New Jersey style. Pizza. <laughs> There's a good reason. There's probably two good reasons. The reason number one is it's not a thing. Reason number two is if it was a thing, it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> I say that also as a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think New Jersey like thin crust. It's just New New York style would be New Jersey style. But just That's right. I That's exactly <laughs> right. What, uh, let me guess. Does it come with Taylor Ham on top? <laughs> I, I don't know, but they probably have to force to turn. What does it turn left? You have to jug handle. You gotta. You gotta. Yeah, make yeah, yeah. Three lefts to make a right to get the yeah. with the. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Shout Anyways, we're bashing on Jersey. Sorry, Jersey. Nah, I love my Jersey people. Just keep, your pizza. <laughs> keep your pizza. So, Ryan, what's your what's your biggest pet peeve? Biggest pet peeve. Um, Jersey pizza. <laughs> I think it's people taking credit for other people's work. So, you, you know, you see it a lot um, it with, okay, uh, you know, I'm meeting with another managing director and they're, they're not taking the time to give um, credit to the team or, you know, they, I think so much more comes out of, Hey, let me introduce you to this person from my team and tell you what they came up with um, than trying to take credit for it. So when I sense that um, it can get under my skin. That's fair because that happens a lot and it's, it, it just kind of shows you that that person's more so not a leader. Yeah. And they don't, uh, I mean, you always have to kind of step back and, and give other people the, the highlight, especially if they're the ones that did the work. 
it's not always your time to shine and act like you're the one that did something because that's how you get uh, your cookie. But that's a good one. Um, if you had, uh, let's see, do you have a number one on your bu- bucket list that you haven't done yet? Number one, uh, it'd probably be around traveling. Um, I've done quite a bit of traveling for work. And then, you know, as a family, we'll do vacations and such. So um, we're thinking of doing a European trip. Now I've been to places like London quick and, you know, had a few meetings and spent the night and come back, but not had a chance to, you know, go to a Paris or a London. So I'd say getting over to Europe as a, as a tourist, not, not on a business trip. Um, hope to do that in the next 12 months. Yeah. Same here. I want to go to Ireland and London. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Those are good. Um, if you could put something in a time capsule right now, and then open it back up in 10 years, what would you throw in there? Um, time capsule for 10 years. GameStop, GameStop stock. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say my required mask for COVID. <laughs> so, <laughs> At least take, it's- take- Take one of those, put it in there. I hope I don't have to see it for another 10 years and then dig it up and then hopefully it felt, feels like ancient history. And it, it's not a political statement on mask wearing or not. It's just a, I am ready to move on. You know? it, it's going to be yeah. pretty funky when you open it up in 10 years, though. I want to be anywhere near all that. I'm right there with you. I, it's the mask thing is, it's funny. It's, yeah. I've become so used to it. Um, that I just kind of like hide behind it. I think some people do, especially in public. Yeah, but a lot of it just because of that, right? Like it's, <clears throat> I don't appreciate the minor restrictions that much on, you know, kind of just the comfort level, but man, there's something comforting about not breathing the same space. They were like, put the, put the plague aside for a second. It's just like, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of weird that way. I don't I really like sharing my very close space with other human beings sometimes, much less strangers. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Especially in public when you don't know them. Yeah, I don't know. I get that. Yeah. You know, I've you know what I've found is weird with with masks. Do you guys when you're in public and people talk to you like if you're at a grocery store or something, do you feel like you're I I'm usually quieter with the mask on and I don't I I you know you have to speak up a little bit better, but I feel like I'm a little more hinged like like closed off when people try to talk to me. Are you guys, do you feel that way when you're in public? Cause then I feel like I have to repeat myself more than once when I try to say something. Cause I come off too quiet. Oh, for sure. I mean, when you go into a store and they've got the plexiglass separating you and each of you have a mask on and you're yelling at the plexiglass, <laughs> what you know, your Chipotle order is the one that comes to mind. Cause that was, I just dealt with that recently. And we just kept, we're having trouble communicating through the plexiglass and mask, uh, at the time you could be, it could be worse. You could be like Andy Reed, uh, the chief's coach where he has a mask, the plexi, like the self plexiglass <laughs> mask, and then oh. they could have their plexiglass. <laughs> Too many things. He's just trying to protect himself from winning more games. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Those, those memes with him with the fogged up mask the first week were just classic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to see anything through it. <laughs> 
I do like him though. No hate on him. I do like him. No, no, he's done good stuff for us in the Northeast. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so I had another one for you. I just blinked out. Sorry. I'll edit this out. Um, Ooh, that was a good one. We got too many here. Oh, Gabe, you ever have questions? Any interesting? I ever questions? have questions. You mean like funny questions, like fun questions, like you know? I don't know. Do I? I I've not thought about it. You usually hold down this fort pretty well. I I'll ask one of your your personal favorites. Certainly one of mine. Oh yeah. If, uh, yeah. If 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 you could be any. Any, if you could have any super superpower, what, what would that be? Yeah. That's, that's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, that's a lot about a person, I think. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, my kids are really into all the Avengers movies, so we've actually had this, this conversation quite a bit. Um, I keep coming back to the ability to fly. It just That just seems amazing to me. It's kind of a toss-up. Invisible is is got its advantages. Um, sure. But I think the the ability to fly would be, uh, would be mine. And I don't know exactly how, what I'd use it for, but it would be cool. Well, as long as you, you can always just set the example from, uh, what was that superhero movie with, uh, Will Smith where he could basically fly and he was like yeah. a drunk. Uh, <laughs> just don't be a drunk. Yeah. <laughs> flying while intoxicated. I never saw it, but I know what you're referring to. Flying while intoxicated. Yeah. It's like a Hancock or Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Or- Hitchcock. Hancock? I think sure. Hancock. I don't know. One of those. We digress. But yeah, that flying would be pretty cool because you could you wouldn't be afraid of heights. You could do anything. You could yeah. climb things and just oh, if I fall, I can just fly. You can do some crazy things with your friends if they don't know you can fly. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, uh invisibility usually is the, the most common one. So but uh Ryan, this has been great, man. Uh, we really, first of all, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for, actually, you know what? Before I do that, this is one thing I wanted to, because you brought it up. You have gaming headphones on for people that can't see them. He also looks like he could be, uh, uh, what is it, Gabe? A uh, wing walker. A wing walker for, for landing planes. Um, <laughs> but do you do any gaming with your sons? Are you into that? Ah, uh, you've caught me. Yes. So... This is another, I, I don't know if it's a positive or negative that came out of COVID, but with the time home, we've got the uh, the PS4 and now we have the PS5. And I have to admit, they were playing a lot of Fortnite. I took a look at it with them and uh, I've learned and um, developed my skills playing Fortnite with my kids. So um, we talk, we talk and save the world of Battle Royale. The Battle Royale. That's so yeah. that's where it's at. That's where it's a solos, squads, duos. What are we working with? Oh, if I said solos, it'd make me look bad because I'm trying to play with my kids. So it's <laughs> duos and uh, yeah, what is the the squads with the four? So and it is kind of funny because we've got two systems in the house. So I'll play with one of them, you know, in different rooms. But then their friends will jump into the party and they'll be like, uh, "What, Mr. Smith, you're on here? <laughs> and I have to deal with that. But it's a, uh, you know, guilty pleasure, I guess. It's a good one. It's a good one. We flossing. Have you, have you figured out the flossing or are you still working on your flossing skills? 
Oh yeah. Well, they, uh, there's all sorts of dancing in, in that, in, in emotes. So that takes some high level coordination to not get shot and dance at the same time. So and this is why you're not a hockey player, right? Smith, but thank you for coming on the show and thank you for all, thank you for everything you do. We'll have folks check you out anywhere else that we can find you. Are you uh, a little bit of social media presence, LinkedIn, maybe, maybe Twitter, anything else? Yeah. So the best way to get a hold, I mean, there's contact information through the FTI um, consulting website. I'm also on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. Ryan Smith, there's not, luckily, there's not that many Ryan Smiths with a Y that are in privacy, um, unlike professional hockey. So um, yeah, just reach out to me on there and that would be great. Love, love to hear from some listeners. Yeah. And I'll share, I'll share those on the show uh, once we release. And, you know, it'd be even funnier if you, uh, <clears throat> before we release the show, you should take a new snapshot Maybe get, maybe get some hockey gear or just even hold a puck in your picture <laughs> so you can really confuse people. <laughs> That's right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But Ryan, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And like Gabe said, thank you for what you do. And um, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Hey, pleasure to be here. It's great, great to have the conversation with both of you. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Gents, be well. Talk to you soon. Ryan, a pleasure again. wanted to thank all of you out there for tuning in each and every week and to all of our amazing guests for coming on i I know that there are millions of other shows and it means the world to have you with us on this journey we are so grateful that you choose to listen to us each and every week if you like the show tell a friend have them tell their friends and then make maybe make some new friends along the way uh, so we can continue to spread the word and keep learning together let's protect what matters most and by the way dj Can you go ahead and drop that outro beat and keep it classy? We'll see y'all next week.